You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 88, by Rudolf Steiner, translated by James Hines. It is, in fact, 23 lectures. I before mentioned it was 16. That was incorrect. And it's, uh, this is the last lecture. It is numbered 23.9, since it's the ninth lecture in the fourth section. And uh, the title of these are Concerning the Astral World in Devakan, and the title of this last lecture is The Evolutionary Stages of Humanity, given in Berlin on December 29, 1903. When we consider the physical body of human beings as we know it, we see that it is just a crystallized solid mass. The so-called aura surrounds the physical body in a kind of egg form. By and large, the aura is always larger than the physical body itself. It is smallest among undeveloped people, and the more developed a person is, the larger it is. The aura of a highly evolved human being can be six times his or her height. You are picturing the whole human being only if you imagine his or her height extending three times higher and three times lower. There are three things in the aura we must distinguish. First, the so-called astral body. This is the body that contains, for the eyes of seers, what human beings otherwise only feel within drives, desires, and passions. A seer can distinguish very precisely from this aura whether a human being has pure or ugly passions, such as greed, compassion, goodwill, and the like. Then, second, there is the mental aura. This contains what we feel subjectively to be as our intellect, as our power of reasoning, the lower spiritual power. After death, these two are dissolved, just as the physical body dissolves. The astral aura is dissolved in Kamaloka, and the mental aura in Lower Devakan. They are counted among the transitory parts of a human being. The enduring being of a human is objectively observable in the third aura. This is the aura of the causal body, the body that goes through all incarnations. Among unevolved people who understand little of what is enduring, the causal body is only indicated. If we observe the aura of an unevolved person, we find little of any causal body. Those human beings who seek deeper knowledge develop this causal aura. The more a person is evolved, the more this causal aura is developed. Then a kind of radiant system is inserted into the aura so that a more highly developed person sends out rays of spiritual light that can be noticed in his or her causal aura. When observed, the aura of an adept is much greater than a house, so that the whole person appears infinitely larger than the physical person appears for the physical eye. The causal aura that we can see with highly developed people is also suggested in the undeveloped, and not as a small body, but also large, but it is not yet luminous. 
with unevolved people is a weak, glimmering light and becomes constantly more luminous the more a person develops. Rays of light enter as a person takes in more and more content. The more people develop within themselves what is enduring, what will appear again, the more they will have luminous power within. It is the objectively perceptible that a person carries over from one incarnation to another. I will first consider human beings with their astral aura. We can observe them in three successive states. The first state is the one in which the actual power to form thoughts is as yet very little developed. That was the case with the third root race and at the beginning of the fourth, that is, from the middle of the Lemurian until the first half of the Atlantean time. Lemurians and the first Atlanteans did not think using reason, but they thought out of their memory. Only in the course of the fourth root race was the power to reason gradually developed, and the aura was also changed. In the third root race and in the first half of the fourth, the astral aura was developed in such a way that the aura surrounded the human body. It was just a little bit larger than the skin, and it was much mistier than later. It was like a dark mass of fog, but much stormier and intense because of human passions. Only the first beginnings of the mental aura were present at that time. Evolution progressed up until our present root race, so that today a kind of high point has been reached. This is the second stage in which the mental aura is developed to a certain extent. The third stage is that of advanced human beings who have developed so-called astral clairvoyance. They are also in a position to see this aura. They can see not only what is in the physical world, but also what is present in the astral world. The astral aura of such people looks a little different. Wheel-shaped figures appear with the aura of Atlantean and post-Atlantean human beings. Such figures are in the aura of every human being today. With Lemurians they were still barely noticeable. When these, in quotes, wheels are in motion in present-day people, then astral vision enters. When they are at rest, then the astral seeing is stopped. Those are the three states. The physical body is permeated by the nervous system. Every nerve center is connected to an astral center. For example, the optic nerve is surrounded by, is enveloped by an astral optic nerve, by an astral substance belonging to the optic nerve. Now, how does vision arise? Light enters the eye and goes through the nerve into the brain. But we do not yet see anything here. It is still nothing more than a movement of a physical kind. Now the astral optic nerve begins to vibrate. This brings it about that an image arises of what we see. It is impossible to see without the astral bodies being activated. It is the same with thinking. The astral body is what is actually active. Now picture how it is with seers. Impressions do not come in through the ear or through the eye. Impressions come in through the astral organization itself, without mediation of the brain or nerve center. Perception enters when the chakras, the lotus flowers, begin to move. This means that the astral body 
is an organism with sense organs. When we are in an ordinary condition of sleep, usually the astral body is outside the physical body. The more highly a human being is evolved, the further the astral body can distance itself. A perfect psychic development consists of this. We leave behind our body and freely walk around in the astral world. There are even higher stages. During sleep the astral body can make the strangest journeys, but we do not remember these nightly wanderings. You can have consciousness during the night, yet not bring it along into the day. The highest stage occurs when you are conscious of the astral world, not only in sleep, but also in your physical body. During the night you can seek out people whom you know, but you will not have experiences of a kind similar to those in a physical body. For example, you will not experience what a person in Asia is doing. That you will not be able to find out. However, if you want to learn something from that person, you will be able to do it if you can bring it over completely into your day consciousness. A cella cannot know if a master in Asia is writing or not, or if the master is eating or what he or she is eating, but the cella can be instructed in astral space and then carry that over into full day consciousness. When you observe such an astral body, at one place you see a physical body with its nerve center, which appears to physical eyes just as it appears by daylight, and you have the astral body somewhere or other with its sense organs, so that you can see the optic nerve belongs to this center of the astral body, and to that center belongs the auditory nerve. Now the question arises, what does the connection between the astral body and the physical body consist of? What chains the astral ear to the physical ear? And why does the astral body, which was separated from the physical body during sleep, return? Interesting questions can arise here. For example, let us assume that someone feels terribly unlucky. Now, during the night, he is in his astral body. The suffering has its origin in the physical body. Such a person could, with the astral body, decide not to return anymore. If that were carried out, the person would have committed astral suicide. So the question is, what connects the astral body with the physical body and its organs, and what leads them back together again? There exists a kind of band, a connection, that is an in-between matter, between astral and physical matter. This is called kundalini fire. If you observe a sleeping person, then you can always follow the astral body in astral space. There is a luminous band leading to where the astral body is. The location can always be found. When the astral body separates, then to the same extent the kundalini fire becomes thinner and thinner. It becomes an increasingly thin track. It becomes more and more a thin mist. Now, when you look carefully at this kundalini fire, you will see that it does not always have the same form. In some places it is brighter and thicker. Those are the places that lead the astral back again to the physical body. The optic nerve is therefore connected to an astral nerve through a thicker kundalini fire. In his book titled The Astral Plane, Ledbetter 
did not want to go into the question as to whether or not an astral suicide is possible. The astral body, with its kundalini fire, cannot be completely lifted out of the physical body. Should it happen that someone actually decides not to return, the kundalini fire would continually draw him back to the body. It is as if he still belonged to the physical body. Such a person would follow the track of the kundalini fire. When the life forces are not yet exhausted, it is very difficult to lift the astral body out of the physical body. It is very difficult when someone is attached to a physical body that he can no longer make use of. In this sense, the destiny of a suicide and that of an accident victim are not that very different from one another. Now, among more highly developed human beings in whom the chakras are moving, a different process occurs. They are able to withdraw the kundalini fire voluntarily from the organism. At the same time, there are opposing streams from within working outward. What earlier streamed into the human being only from outside can now be regulated from within by the human being. The entire process can now be voluntarily brought into motion. With this achievement, human beings have complete ability to control their astral body. Now, I ask you to consider that this condition will enter more and more into human evolution. Today, it is those who are psychically evolved who have such an astral body. But humanity itself is quickly moving to such a condition. It will have the ability to use the astral body in the sixth race. We, human beings, will have a physical body within what is an astral body, which we can use in this way. In the next round, however, human beings will not have any physical body, but only an astral body that they will then be able to use freely, just as they use the physical body today. The physical body will no longer exist. Our lowest body will be the astral body. We find something similar to the astral body in the mental body. The astral body has individual sense centers. There is an astral nerve corresponding to the optic nerve, so to the auditory nerve, the olfactory nerve, and so forth. The mental body no longer has such individual senses. It has but one single sense. It is permeated by the mental capacity of understanding, so that it can perceive mentally with that one single sense. For this reason, it is able to relate all things to each other and to everything as a whole. The shadow of the mental sense is the understanding. When you hear a bell sounding, you turn yourself around in order to perceive also with your face. The astral senses are also connected to the mental senses with a kind of kundalini fire. Kundalini fire is a kind of in-between matter which unites the individual conditions with each other. Now I would like to mention some ideas concerning the evolution of the rounds. If we wish to follow the evolution of the rounds, then we must be clear that the human being consists of three members, body, soul, and spirit. For an understanding of the rounds, it is important to name these three members differently. We can call the body humankind. We can call the soul human personality, the spirit 
human individuality. To make this clear, you must understand that human beings with respect to kind or genus differ very little from one another. We have here a universal equality. But human beings are very different from one another with respect to personality. Personality is then seen as what differentiates. However, what is individual is seen as the universal, as the universal human spirit. Kind is basically the bodily nature. Personality is basically the soul aspects. Individuality, basically the spirit. We wish first to follow the first two, that is, kind and personality. Personality was prepared in the lunar epoch. What has come over from the lunar epoch is the personality. What we carry within is kind or genus, the way we presently appear, the bodily form, which is basically an earthly imprint, an earthly shape. All of earth evolution, since pralaya, exists in order gradually to bring the human bodily form to the point where it can allow the personality to unite with this bodily form, as well as to allow the two, personality and bodily form, to become the seat of the spirit, of the individuality. It is particularly useful to follow each of these for itself, and so one does well to follow genus, personality, and individuality, each for itself. Now the first, genus. Imagine a pralaya, a twilight condition. From this a sphere is first separated out, which is not yet actually a proper sphere, but only contains the power to be a sphere. Within this sphere the generic human types live as archetypes. This is the arupa condition. This sphere then becomes denser, and now in this sphere the thoughts of the human types are formed. Now the thoughts wander about in this sphere. That is the second condition, the rupa condition. The third condition occurs when the sphere is transformed into an astral sphere. What earlier was only archetypes of different types of human beings now becomes astral types. Thus human astral types live in the third sphere. The fourth sphere is already physical. For the first time we have human types, but as yet without the ability to grow. But if one were to touch them, they would have physical density, hardness. While this was happening, the other kingdoms of nature developed in the same way as types. Animal species, plant species, mineral species are present as forms, but forms that cannot as yet live. Imagine a plaster cast made of yourself and then filled in. That is approximately how it was. In the fifth sphere everything becomes astral again, in a transformed form. In the sixth sphere everything again becomes thought. And in the sixth sphere everything is again transformed into a formless, monad-like condition. And then comes pralaya. The end of Lecture 23.9, and that is the end of the book, Concerning the Astral World and Devakan, notes from 19 lectures and 4 private lectures, given in Berlin from 1903 to 1904, translated by James Hines, Collected Works, Volume 88.